0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: Hunger is the best pickle. Benjamin Franklin.
0: And we both decided, no, let's not bring this peanut butter and we put it in like a jar of, like a free little library of food for homeless people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we didn't take... The peanut butter, <laughs> and then it rained, and then it took us longer to hike that section than we had hoped. And a lot
3: of down trees, and it was it was a hard section.
0: <laughs> and basically, from day two on, we were saying, "Why didn't we bring that peanut butter?" It's hard to describe how much you could crave peanut butter um, when when you're in that situation. And like
1: we we had enough
0: to eat; it was never dangerous, but it was, it was like I just want the peanut butter.
3: Yeah, we went to bed a little hungry every every day and probably lost, you know, two pounds each on the, in those seven days. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I think as we're dehydrating our food right now to get ready for our Pacific Northwest Circuit, we're just uh, remembering all this.
2: <laughs> I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. Well, we are bringing back some fan favorites this week. Coming back for another round with the John Freaking Muir Pod are a couple who are well-known in the thru-hiking community. They've trekked from Mexico to Canada twice, and they documented that second one through TikTok, which just happens to be their trail names. Welcome back, Renee Miller and Tim Beisinger. How's it going, you two?
3: Great. Yeah, doing great. Thanks yeah, for having us. <laughs> doing
0: really well. Happy to be back on the show. We had a lot of fun last time.
2: Nice. Now, you are usually in Germany, but you are back, you're back stateside now. You're in Wisconsin, and we're recording this on a Saturday morning, so you, you both had your coffee there. That's that's great.
3: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> uh, when we do video calls with our friends back in Germany, we can have coffee while they enjoy beer or no. vice versa when,
3: yeah. yeah, 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 that's okay.
0: right. When we're there, we do beer calls with people having coffee, but yeah. with you, it's all coffee.
2: Nice, <laughs> nice. Now we had you back uh, on the pod. You were, you were here for season three, episode 11. And now we're in 10 episodes or so into season four. Your episode came out on October 21st, okay. 2021. So uh, I, I can't wait to hear what you guys have been up to and w- what you've got planned. But uh, since that, since the last time we talked, your TikTok account, which kind of blew up when you were on the Continental Divide Trail, has continued to pick up steam. I think you guys are up to 1.9 million followers now on TikTok.
3: Yeah, yeah. Kind of crazy.
2: <laughs> and have, so with TikTok, have you been able to monetize that at all with, with that amount of uh, followers? Does it, does it help you financially at all to support your adventures?
0: A little bit. Um, we, we still have regular jobs, and we need those regular jobs. There, there's a small amount of money coming in on TikTok, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, people talk about get TikTok famous and become rich, and that hasn't happened for us. We've, we've <laughs> figured out the TikTok famous part, but not the income part so well. But there's, there's some money, so it, it's not hurting.
2: Well if if you know if the two of you at 1.9 million followers can't uh, make that profitable then there's there's absolutely no hope for me so
0: <laughs> I like your TikTok though I watch them. you're you're in the like TikTok knows to put you on my screen when I'm scrolling so I always enjoy that.
2: Yes you're you're one of the few accounts out there that consistently uh, likes my likes my posts so I appreciate that thank you. So am, am I I'm, I must be TikTok famous adjacent then.
1: <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah. whenever people
0: okay. scroll through our followers maybe they spot your name in there and go over
2: all right now let's uh let's just remind folks about um your trail names tick and talk right and uh is it tim are you tick or are you talk
0: uh it took us a while to settle in on that i'm tick because of the similarity between tim and tick um ti and ti but yeah, for a while, we were kind of um, indifferent. People could call us, whatever. Most often, it comes up, we're, we're tick and talk as a unit, kind of like here on the show. So it doesn't matter so much. We do a lot of stuff together.
2: Right. Okay. Well, that, that'll help uh, keep it simple for me. I appreciate that. Tim, tick. Tim, tick. I can't remember that. Very good. All right. And you guys, you know, I was thinking about that when I was uh, doing some show notes here, and I was thinking about asking that question. Uh I thought in my head that you guys really are a unit. I mean, you guys are are a tight knit couple. TikTok, it it seems to really fit because it is it is connected like that. So,
3: yeah, yeah, we've yeah yeah been together for I don't know ten years over that and done a lot of adventures together. So, yeah.
2: (laughs) Okay, so you you two are familiar with the podcast because you've been here before. But just a reminder, there will be a segment towards the end of the episode where I turn to you and ask you for a pro tip, some trail wisdom to share with our listeners to make their next experience even better. And I know you've got a ton of trail wisdom to share. So feel free to, to drop some wisdom along the way throughout the episode. Okay.
0: Okay, Sounds like a plan.
2: Okay. And another feature we've been doing this season is the must-bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Six Moon Designs. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike or a 2200 mile through hike, uh, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So you two have done this before. Do you have any changes to your must-bring piece of gear? And you know what? I have to apologize. I have some new audio equipment, and uh, I I forget to use it occasionally. So let me just make sure. I'm going to introduce this segment uh, after the fact. We're not going to edit this in. It's just going to be just like this. So this is is Half-Calf, my youngest daughter.
3: The must-bring gear review.
2: Oh, fancy, right? Nice. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) She's not actually English. Or, or South African or uh, uh, Australian. She just likes to, to put on that accent. So there you That's go. The must-bring gear review. It, it, well, you'll see as, as we go through the segments, it, it kind of, I don't know if it gets better or worse, but
1: there it is. <laughs> awesome.
3: Um. Yes, I would say that my, I tried really hard to think of um, a new must-bring gear. So I, I couldn't think of a new one. So I'm sticking with my um, closed foam sleeping pad. Um Yes, and so I've used the Nemo Switchback and the Thermarest um, Z Lite. Um, yes, and my reason is it's very. Um, yes, it 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 kind of well. I guess first let me just uh, tell a story. Um, when we were um, in Wisconsin one time, we decided to take a um, winter backpacking trip on snowshoes. Just hiked in one mile, um, set up our tent and went to sleep. And we both had, um, it was below zero Fahrenheit. And we both had um, the inflatable sleeping pads, and one of them popped on us. <laughs> so we were doing in the middle of the, light of the night doing laps around the tent. So um, yeah, it was it was a cold night. And I think that kind of just after that, just couldn't trust the inflatables anymore. So but also I use it all day long on backpacking. Pull it out at lunchtime for a nap. And yeah, it's always there.
2: Yeah. So. Versatile, multifunction, and fail-safe. Yep. Yeah. What is the thickness of that of that uh, closed foam sleeping pad that you use?
3: Oh, um thin.
2: <laughs> Three quarters of an
0: inch. Yeah. Or okay.
3: And gets it's thinner great. and thinner as the trail goes on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you do put these on YouTube, right? So anybody watching on YouTube, there, there's the the one we used on the CDT. It's yeah. So they're like less than an inch,
2: right, right, and it looks lightweight. I mean, they they uh, just as light as as some of those bigger pads, uh, inflatable pads, and like I said, versatile and fail-safe. So that's that's a great great selection. How about you, Tick?
0: You know, I I also tried really hard to come up with something, and I think. We're pretty ultralight, so it's it's more about what we don't carry than what we do carry. And like the must bring piece of gear, I can't I can't say for sure that there's one item that I totally need. But um, my answer, the, the item that maybe makes me the most happy or that I like the most is my um, my pot. I we do we do a lot of cooking out there, and we have a pot with a heat sink, and um, and so it boils water fast, and it's it's great. So I have right now an Oli Camp XTS pot. Uh, but I'm not married to that. It's a great pot. It's the best one I've used, but there's, there's others around. So anything with a heat sink makes me happy about one liter. We can cook for both of us.
2: Okay. And you mentioned ultralight. Let's, uh, let's talk about that. What, what, what was your base weight for the CDT?
0: Uh,
3: about 10 pounds each. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Just shy of 10 starting out. Um, probably a little more when we were during some segments in Colorado, we got waterproof socks and stuff, but um, but yeah, just try
2: it. There. Okay, and I know you guys also did the PCT uh, before the CDT. Uh, how did the pack weight evolve, the base weight evolve from the PCT to the CDT? Was it pretty similar? or did you guys shave some shave some pounds off?
3: Yeah, um we before the PCT, we said, oh, yeah, we've backpacked a million times. We have all the gear we need. And yeah, then we replaced every single piece of gear for the PCT and um, slowly got rid of gear as we went along on the PCT. And so starting the CDT, we had the same idea. Oh, we have everything for the PCT, but no, we replaced everything. So yeah, we got a lot lighter um, for the CDT.
0: Yeah, I think on this PCT, we were maybe somewhere around 15. Didn't we weigh in? You were 12, I was 15, something like that. And being under 10 is, it makes hiking more, more pleasant when your weight goes down, so.
2: Absolutely, smart. Are you guys drilling holes in your toothbrushes or do you have uh, half a toothbrush or do you guys just use your fingers?
3: <laughs> we did have full size toothbrushes on the CDT. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, I yeah. Don't, yeah, I don't know why exactly, but we did.
0: <laughs> There's ways to get lighter than, than what we carry, but I feel like at that point we'd be making some sacrifices on comfort and, and durability. And so I'm not sure how to get lighter you know, we're, we're pretty ultralight, both of us, but, but not crazy about it. So to answer your question, no, I, I don't think we're the type of people who cut toothbrushes.
2: Okay. I like that. We're pretty ultralight, but we're not crazy about it. That's, that's probably a good balance to, to maintain there. All right.
1: It's the Hiking Pole.
2: Okay, I didn't forget that time. So this is something new here that we didn't do last time you were on. The Hiking Pole It's going to help us talk about gear and some other thing, other decisions you make out on the trail. And it's going to help me come up with a score between 1 and 100 on the crazy scale. And it's kind of counterintuitive. 100 is completely sane, and 1 is absolutely bonkers. All right? And you should know that there's an automatic 20-point deduction for being a long trail through hiker. So you wow. th- already... Right off the bat, the highest you can score is 80. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And we'll see if you guys are a unit, if you guys have one score for the two of you, or if you have some different answers uh, between the two of you and, and then gives you a different score. Okay.
3: Sounds fun.
2: Okay, here we go. First one's easy. Trekking poles or no trekking poles?
3: Trekking poles.
0: Definitely trekking poles. Uh, they're just nice. Give your hands something to do. Keep swelling down.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. So far, so good. No point deductions yet. Uh, Boots or trail runners?
3: Trail runners.
0: (laughs) Absolutely trail runners.
2: And were you always trail runners? Or did you guys, when you started out hiking, you thought, oh, you know what? Hiking means boots. We we, we must have boots.
0: Oh, yeah. I think, uh, you know, we're, we're in our 30s. Anybody hiking 10 plus years ago, I don't think trail runners were a thing, were they? I don't know. Well, anyway, I didn't even think it was an option. Uh, so definitely thought hiking meant boots. But when we researched to get ready for the PCT, we learned about trail runners.
2: And yeah, they're Haven't great.
3: have back. <laughs> yep.
2: Now, Tick, you said we're in our 30s. Like, you know, that's really old. Uh, it is. I remember <laughs> the 30s. That was, that, was, that was a good decade back then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, what is your preferred shelter setup? Tent? Tarp? Hammock, Bivy, or hey, let's just cowboy camp?
3: Um, I think it depends on the, um, the trail. So for the CDT, we started, um, we did cowboy camping the entire New Mexico. With, we brought a tarp and we set it up uh, maybe six times, I think we said, because of rain. But if there was no rain, we cowboy camped. But then for the rest of the trail, Colorado through uh, Montana, we had a tent. So I don't know. That's a complex answer. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I I can chip in. You said, what's the ideal camping setup? So ideally, the weather is perfect. There's no humidity and we can cowboy camp every night. But realistically, that uh, isn't how trails go. So, um, yeah, so it just depends on the conditions. But I love cowboy camping.
2: I mean, trails don't always comply with your plans that you have developed?
0: (laughs) No, they don't. In the desert, they're more likely to, though. So (laughs) desert's a great place to hike.
2: You know, I keep hearing that from folks that, you know, the desert experience is, is really something. And so, you know, I, I've, I've had my preconceived notions of what the desert is all about. And, and I'm having to change that uh, that philosophy.
0: You live in Southern California, right? When we used to live in the Central Valley, there coming from the Midwest and we lived in Davis and there was this realization of like the outdoors is the indoors, because in California, and I think in Southern California also, you can, restaurants overflow into the outdoors, they open the windows, and there's there's just not many bugs, and it's it's nice. Here, we always have screens if it's summer, and we always, anyway, so the desert, when you're hiking, it's like that. It's like, oh, the temperature's okay, there's no humidity, it's not going to condense overnight, there's not that many bugs, maybe some scorpions, but, um, but just you don't worry much about those. So the desert is a wonderful place to to camp.
3: Yes.
2: Don't worry about the scorpions and I love that the outdoors are the indoors. <laughs> nice.
0: That's really the feeling in the desert.
2: That's that's deep right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about preferred sleeping system? Sleeping bag or quilt?
3: Um still sleeping bag, yep. Yeah.
0: yeah, definitely. I finally tried quilt sort of unhooded sleeping bags and um I I think a sleeping bag when you use it right it just really keeps you warmer than a quilt and um people like to say that quilt is a wonderful thing and you save some weight but I I'm all about the hood and tucking it over and cinching it down
2: same same philosophy talk
3: yep yes
2: (laughs) okay and this one's really important huge point deduction possibilities here so be careful and in terms of food food on the trail you prefer stove cold soak or stoveless um stove yeah
3: stove and cold soak
2: yeah yeah 100% I agree stove and cold soak combination when 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 is it appropriate for the stove and when is it appropriate for cold soak what is the guess- preference there
3: Yeah, I guess, no, maybe the answer is always bring a stove. Yeah, we always bring a stove because we're coffee addicts um, and that hot coffee in the morning (laughs) is important, Um, but yeah, for, for we, throughout the day, we cold soak our lunches and stuff, but we always have the stove for a hot coffee and hot dinner.
2: Okay. Very good. That you kind of danced around that one, not a huge point deduction, but you did mention the words cold soak. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so. cold soaking is an important part of eating including at home have you ever had overnight oats uh like for breakfast tastes great and so we do that on the trail we cook our oats overnight sometimes cold soaking them uh lunches like 90 percent of the time we cold soak our lunch so definitely definitely there's a place for both but mm-hmm. dinner's 100 of the time we cook dinner.
2: Now, Tick, you're trying to explain this to me and you're trying to avoid the you know major point deduction. But man, I've tried cold soaking. It's not uh it's not my cup of tea.
0: What do you eat for lunch? Um,
2: uh, well, it depends. Sandwich. It's I, I don't cold soak my sandwich. Well, are you talking about on the trail or at work in just real life? Oh, on the trail. Oh, on the trail. On the trail. Yeah. Usually I'm I'm going stoveless uh, during the day and, and you know, just grabbing tortilla, beef jerky uh dehydrated dehydrated fruit
0: that works you're missing out on rice and bean burritos for
2: lunch that's our (laughs) go-to lunch and you
0: gotta cold soak the rice and beans
2: all right fair point fair (laughs) point all right is life better above or below the tree line
3: um both (laughs) everywhere life is better everywhere outside (laughs) Is that an okay answer?
2: That's okay. If you I, if you had to pick one, though, which one would you pick?
3: Um. Oh, that's really hard. Um. Yeah, mm, quite a good question. Uh, maybe below the tree line because it's a bit uh, safer. <laughs> no. Yeah. Got caught in a few snowstorms on this one, one snowstorm on the CDT. So above the, above the tree line. And once we made it below the tree line, it was, uh, felt safe again so yeah below
0: <laughs> i I think it's a it's a common um thread that people say ever since John Muir taught us that uh, that the mountains are where nature is and and I think you know like we were just saying the desert is amazing you're below tree line most of the time in the desert whether there's trees or not um, the plains are amazing the the forests of the east are amazing like it's all amazing. And, uh, and so there's this misnomer that you have to go to the mountains to be outside and I, I don't buy into it. So I'm going to say below the tree line, just, uh, just because I like it everywhere
2: above the tree lines.
0: Great though. Don't get me wrong. I love.
2: Absolutely. Yep. Good answer. And our last question in our seven question hiking poll: do you pack for comfort or speed?
3: Um, well, we're not super fast hikers, but um, we pack light for comfort to hike far.
2: <laughs> That's a
3: confusing answer. So
2: it's a confusing answer, a but the around. question the is kind of misleading, right? Because uh, comfort or speed, the lighter your pack is, the more comfortable you're going to be. So you you saw right through that, uh, that ruse and did a fa- fantastic ja- job with answering that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and i agree with renee
2: <laughs> with, okay with Tom, sorry so you guys are are uh, tightly knit you you had corresponding answers there wasn't a big deviation so i'm gonna do some quick math here i'm gonna carry the four i'm uh, gonna gonna <laughs> multiply by the square root of two divide by pi and you come out with a solid respectable score of sixty six Oh wow! So well, congratulations—that's a that's a badge of honor right there. <laughs> now that score is subject to change depending on the rest of the interview. So <laughs> you okay. could it, you could gain some points or you could lose some points. We'll see how it goes.
3: All right, we'll be careful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. Hey, um, I know I know your story, but maybe some of our listeners are tuning in for the first time and they're not familiar with with Tick and Talk. Uh, let's let's back up a little bit. Let's have a refresher on your background, kind of where you grew up, how you met, and how you got into the through hiking cult.
0: Yeah, totally. So um, I'm from Chicago area, and when I was a child, I was in Boy Scouts and did a lot of backpacking and hiking that way. Um, yeah, and then went to college at Wisconsin and just kind of kept up with that kind of stuff. I really enjoyed it uh, when I met Renee in college at a football game.
3: Yep. And I'm from uh, Wisconsin originally. Um, Yes, met Tim at University of Wisconsin-Madison. Growing up, I was maybe more into sports, swimming and running, um, but didn't, you know, went camping, car camping occasionally with my family, but um, not super into the outdoors until I met Tim.
2: Interesting. University of Wisconsin-Madison. I spoke to a couple last night. We did an interview, uh, Parks and Tech. Are you familiar with them? Parks and Tech, their Instagram account. Okay, but they they both met at they both went to the University of Wisconsin Madison and met there in the band program. A couple of bandos.
0: They do some fancy walking in the Wisconsin band. I bet they mentioned that. Have you
2: the way they walk? They did not. They did not mention that. Maybe they'll they'll send me a short video clip of some fancy walking. That'd be great.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of Wisconsin people out on the long trails. It's always surprising.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: but but then I continue that story that Renee was the athlete. I wasn't such an athlete. I, I mean, I wasn't unathletic, but I didn't do so many sports. And so Renee got us into doing really long distance triathlons, and we did that for a while. Um, and then we combined combined kind of the athletic side with the outdoors side, and and jointly started doing long distance hiking. So. Um, we really brought, we each brought something to the shared hobby, I would say.
3: Yeah.
2: Yep. Nice. Let's talk about long distance triathlons for a second. How, what what was the distance? How long was long distance?
3: Um, we've both done one Ironman.
2: Wow. Yeah. yeah. That is impressive.
3: Yeah. 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike and a marathon, 26.2 mile run.
2: Ironman triathlon. I'm, I'm in awe. If anybody can, can finish an Ironman triathlon, that is an accomplishment that, uh, is just incredible.
0: Yeah. But if you think about it, that's nothing compared to doing a 3000 mile hike, you you know, triathlon is one day of pain and the hike is, is four months of pleasure. So
3: I think there was a lot of pain, maybe, you know, uh, Three years, or you know, and in an intense six months of training, there was a lot of pain going into the Ironman.
2: Yeah, true, true. But the way you phrase that, tick—you know, one day of pain versus you know four months of pleasure. I mean, that—that's why I have such respect for the one day of pain. That, that is incredible pain, <laughs> and also the, all the pain leading up to it. Exactly right, talk. So, what? Uh, what is the duration? What was your duration for your for your Ironman? What's what's typical there? I know two miles 2.4 mile swim that's going to take what an hour
3: yep a little over an hour
0: Renee's the expert
2: swimmer Mm -hmm.
3: Um, yeah we had similar times on the swim Tim beat me by a little
0: (laughs) yeah but well, anyway yeah so my time was 10 hours and 45 minutes uh and
3: mine was 14 hours and 21 minutes
0: yeah. So both respectable times for our genders, uh, but like we weren't
3: average time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We weren't going to Kona or anything like that. That's where the world championship is. We, right. we were just, just hobbyists. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just hobbyists. Now I think what makes a triathlon, I mean, it, it's difficult for a whole lot of reasons, but the fact that they make you run a marathon at the end, I mean, you're hitting the, you're hitting the water doing the swim when you're fresh, right? It's the first, yeah. the first event. You know the hundred twelve mile bike ride. I mean, you're on a bike. The bike is is doing you know some of the work. So there's some gravity there that, that uh, occasionally on the on the downhills a little bit, Um, but then having to run twenty six point two miles after those two events. That's just uh, next level.
3: Yeah, the run the run part was rough. I think for both of for, us. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I doing that long
0: race. You know, we've run marathons before, but but then. Doing a marathon after all of that was something I was not prepared for. My run was just much, much slower. I I had said leading up to it, okay, I can hit my time if I do like eight minute miles consistently. And and I could do that in a marathon, no problem. But on the Ironman, it was, I was like dying trying to do that. And I missed it by a lot. So it was hard.
2: So how did your, how did your non-Ironman triathlon, I'm sorry, non-Ironman marathon runs uh in terms of time how did that compare to your your marathon during the ironman
0: i think it was like 50% faster yeah a 312 is what i've done in a marathon and mm-hmm. on the ironman it was 440 or something like that so
2: much much slower yeah.
3: i don't remember my time in the ironman for the marathon
2: you just blocked that out
3: yeah, yep. Yeah. I think the the second half of the marathon was kind of my stomach was giving me some problems, so I was kind of running from porta potty to porta potty. On the
2: oh no, half.
3: it was rough for me. <laughs>
2: okay,
0: uh, but yeah, we our first marathon we that's when we decided to get married. We were running the Chicago Marathon in 2012, and we said, "Hey, maybe we should get married." So that was a fun engagement. Yeah, was <laughs> that a
2: proposal? Was that a proposal on the course?
0: Yeah, on the course. It wasn't a proposal. It was a discussion. A discussion,
3: Yeah.
2: A negotiation.
3: Had, <laughs> yeah. Negotiation. Yep. Tim had injured himself um, before the marathon. So he couldn't train as much as he wanted to. So then he ran it with me. So we kind of ran a joint marathon and I guess got a little loopy and negotiated a marriage. <laughs>
2: <laughs> got a little loopy and things got crazy. And look, now you're married. <laughs> <laughs> that is great and uh, remind us again how you you are paying the bills and financing your adventures I believe you guys are uh, both employed in similar type of uh, careers in Germany
0: uh, sort of we're both in,
3: in stem we're both in stem, STEM.
2: yeah <laughs> uh, I'm a
0: professor I study plant genetics uh, so agricultural plants and how they evolved and how they were domesticated um, yeah and I'm a professor in Germany, but I speak very little German, and I do all my teaching in English.
3: Hmm. And I am a mechanical engineer. Um, Before the CDT, I was working um, in Germany for a plant breeding company um, doing their facilities work, Um, but now after the CDT, I am working um, part-time for a company I used to work for in the U.S., so all remote, and I do Uh, Heating and cooling, and commercial buildings, and um, energy projects, and yeah, so it's fun.
2: Okay, and you too, if I remember correctly, you you developed a an app for hiking in Germany, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's called Wanderfreund, or in German Wanderfreund, um, and it's it has several long trails and waypoints along the way, and uh, and photos and descriptions and and all of that. So we're yeah
3: for German trails. Yeah, that was our. Um, mostly a big COVID project. We um, spent all of our free time um, coding, learning how to code and coding our Android and iPhone apps on nights and weekends.
0: Yeah.
3: And the, hiking German's um, awesome trails.
0: <laughs> yeah, Germany has a bunch of really awesome hundred-ish mile trails that are marked and fun to hike. And um, and there was no resource that we could find that covered them well. There's, there's no gut hook Germany or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, during COVID we decided to make it and it, it's been fun.
2: Fantastic. And before we go to break, uh, one more, one more point is that you guys are both vegan. Is that right?
3: Yes. We eat a vegan diet, but our gear mm-hmm. is not vegan.
2: So. Yeah. For the not vegan. watchers, We've both got, um,
0: feather jackets next to us. So semi-vegan,
2: <laughs> Sem- semi-vegan. So strict vegans, they don't, they don't even use animal products in their clothing or gear.
3: Right, I thought.
0: think, yeah. We don't put them in our stomachs, but we wear it.
2: Okay, <laughs> fair enough. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, your PCT and CDT hikes. And I really want to talk about some of the information you shared with, with me recently, uh, some of the data from your CDT hike, and uh, some big news about that hike. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. And Welcome back. We're talking to Tick and Talk about uh, what they've been up to since the last time they were on the podcast last October. Also, I have some new information that I'm really excited to talk about that, uh, that they shared with me. Um, they had a chance, once they finished their CDT and had a chance to uh, really take a look at it in detail, they have put together an incredible set of data uh, about the hike You know, and there, there are people out there, tick and talk who are stats people and there are people who are not. And uh, I love looking at the stats. I love logistics. I love kind of doing a deep dive and analyzing things. And this website that you, who put it together? Both of you.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We both put it together the website. Yeah.
2: Okay. All the
0: plots are made with R and I've been using R at work for years. So Doing the plotting was me, but uh, doing the
2: analysis was definitely both of us.
3: And yeah, it helps pull together the data.
2: <laughs> okay. And if is this available to anybody to, to take a look at? Is it on your website?
0: Oh, yeah. It's like, um, yeah, it's linked from our website. If you go to reneeandtimhike.com, slash, well, just timhike.com and then click on the CDT, there's a, a link for the CDT data analysis.
2: So just anybody can look at this. This wasn't a special presentation for me
0: oh well it was special for you and everybody else in the world
2: (laughs) and everybody else in the world got it okay and so uh it's really well done not just the numbers and the stats and the graphs but just the overall design of the page and the feel of the page it's uh it 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 is special thank you and i love the fact that on this particular page the first three words are we love data (laughs) exclamation (laughs) mark
0: well, yes, we just tell. told you we both are uh, in STEM fields. And so, yeah, we love data. And so during our triathlon days, like we just talked about, we started using GPS for everything. And so when we switched over to long distance hiking, we there was no way we were going to give up wearing GPS watches and keeping track of every step and every foot that we cover. So,
2: mm-hmm. And what, what brand of watch is that?
3: Um, that you just uh, flashed on YouTube. For, uh, Garmin watches. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: So it's a, Oh, you too.
2: Yeah. Oh, this there you go. <laughs> we Garmin, Garmin instinct.
0: Oh, nice. We've, we've both got Phoenix. I've got Phoenix three. It's kind of old.
3: I think I have Phoenix five. Yeah.
0: And we listened to your episode with beats who, by the way, that was one of my favorite episodes that you've done. And, uh, and we met him on the CDT and he's just an amazing guy. But we talked to him about his watch, he's got the Phoenix six and he's got some new features we don't have. And so I'm jealous. Maybe when this breaks, I'll get a new one.
2: Elliot Pacheco beats. He was, he was a lot of fun to talk to.
0: Yeah. He was really a cool guy.
2: Now, if I may ask what, what is the software that you use after with, with your Garmin GPS data? Cause I've, I've had my I've had my watch for, for a bit and I, I know I've got some data stored on there. I just don't don't know how to access it through a, a third party software.
3: Yeah. So we have um the Garmin connect app on our phone. So that kind of pulls all the data from our watches to Garmin connect on our phone, but we don't really use that much, that software, mm-hmm. but we upload everything to Strava, which is kind of a social media app for right. triathlons and biking and, And we put our hikes in there too and probably annoy all the, our old biking friends. (laughs) I think
0: they like it, (laughs) but, but yeah, so basically Garmin Connect just syncs straight to Strava and, and we use Strava for tracking everything and paying attention. And, um, do you know Strava?
2: I know Strava. I don't have Strava, but I, I know of Strava. I've got, I've got friends who are very much into Strava. So I'll, I'll take a look.
0: Strava is great. I love it.
3: Yeah. But then we use other mapping software and uh, data analysis software too. So,
0: yeah. Right. So something else that's on our website is like a map of the whole trail. We didn't send you the link to that, but it's there too. And, and it's cool. It's like an interactive map we built and that's built with, um, with open street maps. I think that's more, there's more coding involved in making that map, but the the Strava analysis, it does everything for you. So.
3: Yeah. And Tim did all that analysis and uh, all of our analysis on our website in R, but that's more for, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. That was really
2: deep diving. Yeah. Deep dive. So let's, let's take a look at some of the, of the data we can find on this page. The first section is daily miles walked. And you've got uh, a nice graph there with all kinds of uh, data points on it. And you have a red line going through, which is your seven-day average, seven-day rolling average.
0: Yeah. So, you know, on a through hike, you walk more miles someday and less miles other days. And then uh, if you take zeros, that really tanks everything. So there was it was a lot harder to get a sense of what was going on if we looked daily. But by doing this seven-day rolling average, which was like one week at a time, and then the next day it was shifted by one day, um, then it gave a pretty good picture of, of our actual effort going in per day, averaged out over the week.
3: Yep, and kind of how it increased as we got farther along on the trail.
2: Now, am I reading this correctly? Because I'm looking at the graph and I only see two zeros, unless you're hiding a bunch of zeros underneath the legend.
0: <laughs> no, that's correct. We only <laughs> took two zeros.
2: Wow. Um,
0: yeah, we're not big on zeros. We try to We try to hike consistently you don't see any huge mileage days either so um yeah just kind of slow and steady
2: yep well, i see a bunch of dots at 30 or above so i'm, I'm not sure what your definition of huge miles is but uh, that those are huge miles to me
3: <laughs> yeah yeah i guess they're pretty big miles but yeah no no 40s we've never done
2: never done
0: more i think our biggest day was 33 i we walked into um brawlins you've obviously.
2: never done a 40 Oh, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> no, not, not disappointed.
0: <laughs> when we walked into Rollins, I went to, well, yeah, we were near a friend. I uh, was, um, um, I'm blanking on his name, but anyway, he was next to us in the morning and then he disappeared. And we bumped into a trail angel later in the day. And we said, yeah, have you seen cramps, cramps? Have you seen cramps? And the trail angel said, yeah, I saw him yesterday. He told me he did 48 miles to get into town and so cramps did this 48 mile day and we barely saw him again on the whole trail until I think the last day. And then somebody else, we got into that town Rollins and somebody was there at McDonald's. And I said, Hey, like, how are you doing? He said, Oh, I'm tired. I just did 50 miles today. And so people do huge miles out there, but we don't.
2: The the 48 mile day. Does that tie into why cramps is named cramps? I mean, I can imagine <laughs> yeah. you know, the after effects of that <laughs> might be brutal.
0: Yeah, I haven't heard the story there. But.
2: Yeah. <laughs> sounds like an unfortunate story there. I don't know. Well, well, I'm going to reach, I'm going to find cramps. I got to, I got to talk to him.
0: Oh, he's great. He's um, guided by gut hooks
2: is his Instagram. (laughs) Oh, okay. Guided by gut hooks. Got it. All right. Let's talk about the uh, speaking of gut hook. The next section is excess miles walked compared to gut hook. What does that mean?
3: So yeah. So gut hook has just the trail, but as you know, you have to go off trail occasionally to get water, and um, Gut Hook's line is pretty smooth um, compared to what you actually walk. Um, so, yeah. So when Gut Hook says, you know, you think you walked 20 miles on Gut Hook, you've maybe actually walked 22 miles that day. And so, I think we found that in New Mexico, compared to the rest of the trail, we walked more miles than Gut Hook compared to the rest of the trail.
0: More, um, extra miles more extra than miles better. than
3: Gut Hook because we had to go farther off the trail to get water in New Mexico.
0: Yeah, so going half a mile or a mile off trail wasn't uncommon. Um, whereas for the rest of the trail, water was mostly near the trail.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm looking at the graph, and I should have mentioned this in the earlier graph. You, you've got actually broken up by state. You've got uh, New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, and then Montana, Idaho. And looking at the excess miles walked graph, so let's say, let's just look at New Mexico, for example. You'd have, under New Mexico, you've got 2.2 miles. Is that the average per day of yeah. excess miles walked? Is that, how, is that how that works? Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, looking at Montana, Idaho, you were on a pretty direct path because that's only 0.4 mile uh, excess per day.
0: Yeah. Um, we were... Yeah, I can't tell you exactly why the, the New Mexico thing stands out because of water. That's why we had to do so many extra miles there. But um, but for the rest of the trail. We, we didn't have to veer off as much, I guess.
2: <laughs> OK, and then you also you've also got the excess miles walked broken into percentage. That's the next graph.
0: Yeah. So that one's interesting because we also hike more and more in general, when we're out on a long trail, we hike a dish. We hike farther every day as the trail goes on and we get more in shape. And so Mm -hmm. doing it as a percentage made a lot of sense um, because there was, you know, if you're doing 10% extra miles per day compared to gut hook, then 10% extra of 30 is clearly going to be more than 10% extra versus 10. And so, Mm -hmm. was a sensible way to break down the data
2: yeah and it and it really makes sense um according to the graphs here that the higher percentage of course is in new mexico when you're getting started and then it kind of uh lessens as you go you're pretty consistent in colorado and wyoming with 4.5 percent but then down to 3.8 percent in uh, the latter part of the trip in montana and idaho
0: yeah
2: and then miles per hour miles per hour the i'm I'm amazed that there are there there are a lot of points on this graph that are uh, approaching five and six miles per hour and to think of you doing that on a through hike I mean I know that uh, when I'm out there you know I, I'm hoping for three miles an hour
0: Us that's two so maybe huh I'm curious how we ended up with points that high. I haven't looked in a little bit. Um,
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of, there's a lot of points above four. Mm -hmm. There is uh, a couple that are above five and you've got one stint in Montana and Idaho where you are above six.
0: Okay. I'd say any, anything above six has to be a issue with the data. (laughs) Probably, Probably anything, above five yep.
3: yeah yeah we're not, we're not out there running no
2: <laughs> that's what i was gonna ask because that, that, that sounds like one of my runs so
0: so the way we get the miles per hour is we look at how many miles did we cover in a day versus how long did it take us to do it um so i don't know
3: <laughs> yes i mean sometimes when you're in the mountains uh the data gets a little bit um yeah. If you don't have a great connection to the sure. satellite or whatever, it gets a little skewed sometimes.
2: Mm-hmm. Now the most impressive graph I think is the, the next section where you are doing a state by state breakdown in some different areas. And I love the, uh, the second graph there, average daily steps per state. And this really gets to your point about uh, your, your level of fitness and kind of getting into your groove you know, in New Mexico, just folks, listen, listen to these numbers and think about how many steps you walk on a, on an average day. You're, you're striving to hit the 10,000 step, right? That's what, that's what all the, the different apps are trying to push you to do 10,000 steps in a day. So in New Mexico, Tick and Talk did 35,702 steps per day. That was their average. Then they get to Colorado, nice flat Colorado, not, not a whole lot going on there. And they, uh, they upped their game to 40,238 steps a day. And then they get into Wyoming and they take that up a notch and it's 48,000 steps a day. And then when they're, when they're most tired, the end of this, this ordeal heading towards the end, you know, just plodding through, they take it up another level and they're averaging 55,100 steps in Idaho and Montana. That's mind blowing.
0: <laughs> Our biggest day was 70,000 steps. Um, and, and keep in mind, all of those numbers are averaged across the whole state every day. So, um, so that includes the days that we did 10 miles into and out of town and had many fewer steps. So, um, so the big days are, are a lot bigger. Uh, so, yeah, it was a lot of steps.
2: And another interesting graph to me is the, the next one, average steps per mile. And I would think that, you know, that'd be pretty consistent uh, cause you know, it's just how we walk. Right. I mean, I don't know that we're, 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 changing, changing things up unless you do it consciously. And, uh, in New Mexico, when you did the 35,700 steps, average daily steps, uh, the average steps per mile was 1692 steps per mile. But yet when you did the, the 55,000 steps in Idaho and Montana, uh, for your daily average, your average steps per mile went from 1692 to 2071 steps. So, even though that number is bigger, it really represents shorter steps, right? Shorter strides.
0: Yes. And our miles per hour got faster. So, one of the biggest takeaways we saw from this analysis was shorter steps meant we could walk faster. And as we got better and better at walking over the course of four, four and a half months out there, our steps got shorter. We became more efficient steppers and, um, and that led to walking faster. It was, that's a really cool part of the analysis that it's just like running. They tell you, if you want to run fast, take more steps, um, per minute. And same thing with the hiking, more steps meant more efficient hiking. That was cool.
2: Okay. That almost sounds like a pro tip tech.
0: Uh, uh, a data, a data, a data early.
2: driven, data <laughs> driven pro tip. Okay. Um, anything else you want to point out on this fantastic data page that you have here?
0: You got any? I have one more okay, thing. Okay, go for it. <laughs> um in, in a lot of those plots, you can really see that almost everything about the trail got harder uh as As it went along, we were pushing ourselves more. Our average daily miles was like 19 in New Mexico and up to 26 for the second half of the trail, um, including the short days again. So, so just that, that was another big takeaway for me was, wow, this trail really got hard at the end and we felt it too. It definitely felt hard at the end.
2: Yeah. I'll just point out the average daily elevation change was the highest at the end, you know, 40, 4,200 feet was your average daily elevation change in Idaho and Montana.
0: Yeah. And that's interesting because Colorado is, is we have the most elevation per mile in Colorado, I think, but we were just doing so many more miles, um, in Montana and Idaho that over the course of the day, we had more elevation change.
2: Fantastic. I love talking data. Thank you for putting this together. I'm going to continue to look at this and and break it down in different ways. So this will keep me entertained
3: for the the non-stats people.
0: (laughs) And you found one thing for us to dive into and figure out how we can have days that supposedly were six miles per hour. Cause that's, that's not real.
2: (laughs) I, I figured it was one of those days where you said, you know what, you know what talk. We, we, we did an Ironman uh, uh, triathlon. We should, we should run this for a little bit, see how it feels. That's what I thought it was.
3: No, no running. <laughs> at first.
2: It's hard enough walking out there, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, also, um, I was excited to find out last night that you have some big news about your CDT hike. I didn't realize this. I don't. When did you guys realize this? And I'm talking about the FKT, the FKT for mixed gender team, self-supported. Congratulations. Yeah.
1: Thank you. <laughs> you. Um,
3: yeah, I don't know. We just realized that no one had ever claimed the FKT of the CDT and we had all this data. So we decided, okay, we will claim it. We're not super fast hikers, as we've said, but um, maybe it'll motivate other people to <laughs> um hike the CDT and claim the FKT because our time is easily beatable.
0: <laughs> yeah so the, something there's there's this misconception about the CDT that there's no official route um, and and that's a misconception there is an official route that's published and mapped by the Continental Tri- Divide Trail Coalition and if for us we, we thought it was fun to follow the official route and um, many people take alternates and it sounds like some of those alternates are absolutely amazing, um, but but we wanted to stick to the route. And by doing that, we realized probably towards the end of the trail that, oh, we we actually met the criteria for an FKT. So let's just upload our data and, and now we've got the FKT, which is kind of cool. Uh, but but I think it's like, like Tak said, it's also to motivate others to follow that official route and beat us. It's It's a very 135 days. So um, you know, somebody could do it in
2: 90. <laughs> okay. And interesting little tidbit. Uh, a few episodes ago, it hasn't aired yet as of today when we're talking, but uh, by the time your episode airs, it will, it will have been out for a bit. We were able to talk to Buzz Burrell, the, uh, the, the father, the father, he didn't, he didn't say he was the creator. He's the, he says he's the popularizer of the FKT, this whole notion of fastest known time. So,
3: okay,
2: cool. Yep. Good episode. He was he was fun to talk to. Well, congratulations. That is that's impressive. I know you say that uh, it, 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 you think it's not particularly fast. It sounds particularly fast. One hundred thirty five days, nine hours, and one minute. One hundred thirty five days, nine hours, one minute. FKT on the CDT. So phenomenal and like you said we'll, let's uh let's put it out there in the universe and uh see what others how they respond if, if they if they can uh stick to the root and and lodge their own time there so
0: yeah so like you've had legend on the show a few times mm-hmm. and um yeah he could he could destroy our time um and he's hiked the, F, the the cdt three times but as far as i understand he never followed the official trail. So. Uh, So Jeff Garmeyer, I challenge you, go out and beat us on the trail.
2: (laughs) Oh, wow. The gauntlet has been dropped. Very good. (laughs) All right. And I understand that you've got a brand new adventure plan for 2022. And I think I saw a reveal on uh, your, was it your Instagram account or your TikTok account? Uh, Both. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Okay. And so, do you want to share with our listeners what you've got planned for 2022? Some people may might may, may think, okay, they've done the PCT, they've done the CDT, they're going to do the AT, but surprise, <laughs> surprise, that's not it.
3: Yeah. So, as you know, the the second half of the CDT, we were really pushing ourselves. We wanted to, yeah, get to the end and beat the snow, and and we were tired. Our legs and feet were tired. So we had this dream of like, oh we love being outside for months at a time, maybe we should do something not on our feet, um, like biking or canoeing. So we decided to, um, yeah, create our own little uh, adventure. So we will be through hiking the Pacific Northwest Trail um, from the ocean to the Rocky Mountains, and then heading north into Canada a bit, a couple hundred miles, and then hopping in our canoe, which Tim built, um, and and paddling the entire columbia river back up to the ocean
2: <laughs> now tick do you have experience in canoe building should we be worried about the the uh, water readiness of this canoe
0: well it's nine years old it still floats it's it's a nice canoe um yeah it's a cedar strip canoe so it's made out of cedar and i have like lined coated coated with fiberglass on the inside and out so the fiberglass really gives it its Strength. It looks like a wooden canoe, but it's basically a fiberglass canoe as far as technology goes. Uh, yeah, it's a good canoe. I, I think if we wanted the perfect canoe for this trip, we'd use some ultralight Kevlar canoe that weighs thirty pounds. But the the wooden canoe I built is fifty eight pounds, so it's not heavy by any means. Uh, we'll have at least fourteen or so, or about fourteen portages, so it's light enough to do those. We think. Um, we think. <laughs> And if it falls apart, the one thing we've learned is you can get new equipment as the trail goes by. So um, things break on long trails, and I'm sure it's the same with a canoe. If, if our canoe breaks, we'll order
2: a new one. <laughs> okay, now I was taking some notes. Let me just make sure I got this straight for your adventure here. The first part, you are through hiking the Pacific Northwest Trail? Correct. And what is the distance on that?
3: That is 1,200 miles.
2: 1,200 miles.
0: That- eastbound which is not the common direction and we're having trouble figuring out how early we can start uh, but hoping for a june start
3: yeah mid-june we hope
2: (laughs) okay and then from the pacific northwest trail you're going to do 200 miles on the great divide trail
3: correct yep in canada yep so
0: which basically is a continuation of the cdt which is kind of cool it it Mm -hmm. keeps following the continental divide but in canada
2: right and then you're going to through paddle the columbia river back out to the ocean correct and how far is that
3: 1200 miles
2: wow this is like a you know it's broke up into three pieces like a triathlon i'm seeing a theme here <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> i guess we
0: have to run the first segment and we'll get those six mile an hour days after all or you know.
2: nice um, now, now you said portages are you are you carrying the canoe the whole way
0: no oh
3: gosh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there are. Uh, there was a guy in the PCT who carried a hose the entire PCT. Um, yeah, he had the trail name 15-foot because he was carrying a 15-foot hose. Um, but a canoe seems a little bit hard
2: to carry. For- why would he carry a 15-foot hose?
0: I don't Nobody know. Nobody knows. Whenever you said to him, why are you carrying that hose? He said, it's because I got to get this hose to Canada. So it was just something he was choosing to do as a challenge. He was a character. Nice guy. <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, we're not, we're not carrying the canoe We're we just, um, found some people in right near the start of the Columbia Lake who are willing to hold our canoe. So we have it here in Wisconsin. We'll drive it there and then get to the start on the near Seattle well, in, in Olympic national park, uh, we'll either drive there or fly there or something, and then start hiking back to the canoe.
2: Guys, I mean, this could be brilliant if you guys carried the canoe with you the whole way. You could set an FKT that would never, ever be broken. It be, it'd be a mixed, mixed gender team, self-supported while carrying a canoe. That, that is just not going to be broken.
0: And think about how good we could eat if we had a, a canoe to just throw everything you could dream of in there. And put in a bunch of steaks and whatever, <laughs> just dump them in a the canoe.
2: Yeah, I am reminded of a couple of stories um, in history related to carrying boats or dragging boats behind you. There is, of course, the, the Shackleton uh, misadventures down at the, the South Pole where they got trapped in the ice and they eventually had to abandon ship. But they carried the, the, uh, the rowboats behind them for I don't know how many hundreds of miles to, to get to open ocean to be able to get off of Antarctica. And then there's also the story of Teddy Roosevelt, who after his unsuccessful presidential run, uh, he drowned his sorrows in an expedition in South America to explore this river that had never never been never been um, navigated from from its uh, from the start to the finish and they got onto these boats and and waved goodbye and they nobody ever knew if they'd see him again and the the trials and tribulations he went through on that trip are, are pretty incredible but there were points where they had to, drag those boats out of the water and carry them through the jungle and oh. uh, get them to the next entry point. It was absolutely bonkers. So I, I, yeah, this could work for you guys. I can see this.
3: <laughs> Need to start lifting some weights. My, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about carrying a canoe.
0: Yeah. I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Sorry.
2: <laughs> it, now tell me, tell me about this, uh, create your own adventure and compare it to, you know, there are established trails out there that people are doing. You've done the PCT, you've done the, the CDT. There are, you know, the John Muir Trail. There's there's well marked, clearly defined routes, campsites, everything else. You you've kind of taken it to a, another level in kind of putting some of those together and adding this this through paddling of the Columbia River into it. What is the attraction, or what is the difference between uh, you know a ready made adventure and a create your own adventure?
0: I'd say that um three months for sorry no four months ish is a pretty good time to be out there and, and we really wanted to get some canoeing in but it's I don't know if a four-month river exists and so uh that's why we didn't just pick a river the whole time but but stringing something together completely from scratch uh, seemed overwhelming and challenging and so we just were looking at maps and trying to say what's something that we could find that lets us canoe a big, long river, but also hike a pleasant trail, and um, and this is what we found. So I, I think it's kind of a hybrid, like you noted, that we didn't come up with every piece of the route. We just have strung them together into something that, as far as we know, hasn't been done before Um the river is the the biggest unknown. Um, there, we have a book about paddling the whole river, um, but the the guy paddled it in one day segments. He didn't do it in one big paddle. So, I'm not sure how many people have through paddled the Columbia. I'm I'm sure it's been done, but
3: um, yeah, it'll be interesting.
2: <laughs> now, are you guys going to pull yourselves out of the river each day to to uh, to camp, or are you going to camp on the river in the boat?
3: Um, hopefully- <laughs> that sounds a little, that
2: sounds a little dangerous.
3: Yeah, hopefully we'll be camping on land every night. <laughs>
2: yeah, let's see. And I love the create your own adventure aspect. Um, I talked to Mike Wardian, I think it was season two, episode one of the podcast. And he talked about uh, these things that he had created called state where he would he design these adventures um, that span the entire length of a state, whether it's running, bike riding, swimming whatever it might be, but kind of just stringing together and being creative out there and, and having fun with it. So this, this sounds like a, an exponential leap beyond that with, you know, the, the mileage that we're talking about and, and uh, the different types of things you're going to be doing, but fantastic.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We're really excited.
2: So. Okay. Hey, Tick and Talk, you know where we are?
0: I'll pretend no. I love it when you catch the people off guard. So no, I have no idea where we are. <laughs> I'm in Wisconsin.
3: Inside of the week.
2: That's right. It, you know what? I am I am just absolutely tickled that I can tell you guys are regular listeners to the podcast because you're like, hey, I'm going to pretend. I don't know. I love that part. Yes, so we were uh, at that time know, of the
0: episode. I think you've got the best outdoor hiking podcast out there. I really like the podcast. So yeah, very regular listener.
2: I'm sorry. I didn't hear that. Could you say that a little bit louder?
0: <laughs> no, I'm not gonna be too nice. To you. I won't say that. Loud. No, I will. I think your podcast is great, and I listen all the time.
2: Ah, thank you, thank you. As you know, you know, uh, in the social media world, including podcasts, there's not a lot of money to be made. This I, no one, no one's getting rich out there. I certainly am not getting rich, and so it's comments like that and feedback like that that really keeps me going. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. But we are at.
3: The pro tip insight of the week.
2: That time of the of the episode where I turned to you and asked you to share some trail wisdom with our folks uh, to make their next outdoor experience even better. So, both gave great pro tips last time. Have you have you changed it up a bit? What do you have for us?
3: Um. Yeah, I can't remember my pro tip last time, but this time I was um, thinking about it, and uh, yeah, it's been the off season and um, enjoy looking back at my photos from uh, the trail. And I, my pro tip is to um, not only take pictures of landscapes when you're out on these trails, but take pictures of the people you meet and the day-to-day activities. It's yeah, I really, the pictures I find myself looking back at are, you know, sitting by the tent, eating dinner with friends. Like those are, those are the fun pictures. So don't forget about taking pictures of filtering water and, um, eating food and yeah, the day-to-day.
2: Yeah. So there's like the, the professional shots of the beautiful panoramas and, and landscapes, but there's also that important B-roll type picture kind of behind the scenes, candid shots of, of people. Yeah. A lot of fun and very meaningful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. How about you, Tick?
0: (sighs) I think this wasn't mine last time, but I don't remember either. Um, but, <laughs> but my pro tip is that weight on your back is weight on your back, and we all get caught up in thinking about base weight, but uh, food and water weight is very real too when you're carrying it. And so, um, so a you know, big part we do a lot of food dehydrating, and the reason we do that is because dehydrated food tends to be much lighter than your uh, your stoveless food, like bars and pepperonis and whatever. Um, so that's one way to keep weight down. And the other thing we learned as we backpack more and more is that, um, you know, we used to get to a water source, fill up like an entire day's worth of water. So we didn't have to stop it fil- and filter again um, and then hike on. And, and we'd often try to do that in the morning. Like let's get water, including for dinner in the morning. And that, that doesn't make so much sense if you're going to be crossing a lot of rivers along the way or a lot of streams or springs So um, so now we really pay close attention to how far to the next water source and um, and only carry water to that next reliable water source. If it's five miles, I might not even carry any water um, if it's not super hot out. And if it's 20 miles, then I might carry five liters if it is hot out. So um, that's been kind of a change depending on on. Yeah, that, that I've learned
2: great trail wisdom from a couple of folks who who know what they're talking about. So thank you very much. That's fantastic. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Tick and Talk. Want to thank them for joining us this week. How can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures?
3: Um so we on TikTok, we are Through Hikers. Um we yeah, love posting videos and uh, love all the fun comments we get. Um And on Instagram, we are Renee and Tim. And our website is ReneeandTimHike.com.
0: And we're on YouTube through hikers-rt, I think, something like that. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. A lot of
0: work keeping up all those channels, but.
2: That's right. (laughs) That's right. I was just thinking the other night as I was, uh, I finished up an episode last night recording an episode, and then I realized that I've got a. Got an episode coming out this morning, and I haven't haven't uh, done the YouTube video yet on it. So I was doing that last night as well. You know, it's tough getting all the, you know, recording the episodes and then you know putting together you, the accompanying YouTube videos and then the TikTok promotional videos. There's there's a lot going on out there.
0: You really crank these out. I've been impressed by the, your your um, speed of production of these. That you have often a couple of week coming out.
2: So. Yeah, Miss, Mrs. Doc is not as enthused as you guys are, but uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Hey, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakymirror at gmail.com. The Adventure Media
3: Recommendation.
2: Tick and talk. I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie documentary website, something out there that will keep our listeners connected to the outdoors. We're calling this our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us?
0: Uh, I'll go first. I've got a book called recipes for adventure, which is uh, it's all about dehydrating food and and it's making a method or describing a method for dehydrating and rehydrating on the trail by somebody named Chef Glenn. Um, do you know his full name?
3: Backpacking Chef Glenn. Yeah, Backpacking
0: I don't know. Chef Glenn. <laughs> I don't uh, know
3: his name other than that.
0: <laughs> but you'll find it on the internet. And that's, you know, we now make a lot of our own recipes when we're doing dehydrating, but we really got started with, uh, with his book and his method. And I can't recommend it enough for people who are curious about dehydrating food.
2: You've got a lot of great videos uh, of you guys doing some dehydrating. I mean, it's just fascinating to watch how you put it all together and how it, how it all works.
0: It's amazing how much people like to watch um, those dehydrating videos. I mean, millions of people watch us dehydrate food, which you wouldn't think that that's something that has wide appeal, but it sure does.
2: Yeah, is that like watching grass grow or paint and dry? Watching food dehydrate, and yet, and yet, you've got 1.9 million followers. So. <laughs> Nicely done. A
0: lot of people like watching grass grow, I guess. <laughs> uh, we just did a, a tomato loop, dehydrating tomato sauce that has, uh, it's coming up on 14 million views about turning tomato sauce into a sheet of tomato paper. And who would have thought? But... <laughs>
2: That's what the ancient Egyptians used, right? To, to do their writing or was that papyrus? I get those two confused sometimes.
0: <laughs> it looks about the same. <laughs>
2: All right. How about you talk? Do you have an adventure media recommendation for us?
3: Yeah. Yep. Um, Before the CDT, we read the book uh, "Rough Hewn Land" by Keith Meldot. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, It is really cool. It's kind of a great book if you're hiking the PCT or CDT. It's about the uh, geology and geography kind of down the I-80 corridor, and so it, it just kind of talks about how the the mountain ranges were formed and um, it's a really cool book. And it was really fun as we were on the CDT to look at the landscape and say, Oh, I know how this got like this because yeah, we read the book. (laughs) So
2: interesting. Some, some geological history then, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Which brings us to
3: what have we not asked you?
2: That's quite the accent there. You have to admit (laughs) that that right there, that was uh, extra. She's getting more and more into
0: it, having more fun. Yeah. that she kept going.
2: Yeah. So before we wrap things up, just one more segment. What have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? do we miss anything? Any any other big announcements do you want to debut right here on the John Freaking pod.
0: I've got one. Okay. Um, you have not asked us about the time we ran out of food on the CDT and. <laughs> And I'll tell you about it.
2: Okay, um, fantastic.
0: <laughs> we were setting out on like a seven or eight day stretch through um, from from where
3: the Wind River in the Wind River Range, yeah, in, in Wyoming,
0: right. And and that's a lot of food to carry. So we were really confused about should we bring this or not bring that um, to keep our pack weight down, but to keep our calorie take intake up. And. We got all our food and as we were walking out to hitch back to the trail, we kind of had a, a debate about, <laughs> about whether or not we should bring this one jar of peanut butter. And I had it in my pack and talk said, yeah, oh, it's too much peanut butter or it's too much food. We have enough, you, you've got extra weight there. And I said, oh, but I always like peanut butter. Um, it wasn't allotted to be any particular meal or snack. It was just like extra. And we both decided, no, let's not bring this peanut butter. And we put it in like a jar of or a, a box of like a free little library of food for homeless mm-hmm. people. Uh, so we didn't take the peanut butter. <laughs> and then it rained, and then it took us longer to hike that section than we had hoped. And it was a
3: lot of down trees, and it was it was oh. a hard section.
0: <laughs> and basically, from day two on, we were saying, why didn't we bring that peanut butter? Uh, I can't imagine how or I, it's hard to describe how much you could crave peanut butter um, when when you're in that situation. And like we, we had enough to eat. It was never dangerous, but it was, it was like, I just want the peanut butter. Uh, so yeah.
3: yeah, we went to bed a little hungry every every day and probably lost, you know, two pounds each on the, in those seven days. But um, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think as we're dehydrating our food right now to get ready for our Pacific Northwest Circuit, we're just uh, remembering all this. <laughs> food experiences on the trail. And it's it's an art uh, to calculate how much food you need while backpacking. Definitely.
2: Yeah. One of, one of my recent guests told me about the food formula and it had to do with 1.4, the food equation. David Poston talked about the food equation. You multiply the number of days by 1.4 pounds of food per day. Does that sound Mm -hmm. right?
3: Yeah, 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 Yeah. definitely. Yeah. I think though on these long hikes, um, you just get hungrier and hungrier as the trail goes on. So definitely we're eating more in, you know, at the end of the trail than in the beginning. Um, I think also when it's hot out, you eat a little less. So we had just come out of this particular stretch. We were just in the Wyoming's Great Basin and it's really hot and we weren't eating as much because it just wasn't as Nice to eat when it's so hot, and then we got into the cold wind river range and wanted more food, so yeah.
0: With dehydrated food, we used to estimate about one pound each per day um, of food that's dehydrated, and that was accurate when we did the John Muir Trail. Uh, but you don't get hiker hunger until you've been out for longer, so I'd say 1.4 pounds. Or more by the end of the trail is much more accurate than one pound per day. Um yeah. yeah. So for a seven day stretch, that's a lot of extra weight.
2: You know, I got hiker hungry yesterday, about mid midday through work. So
3: <laughs> I
2: think it probably depends on the individual.
3: Yeah, yeah yep, definitely. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, that's great. This is that's a wrap from the John Freaky mirror studio. Any shout outs to friends and family tick and talk?
0: I want to shout out to all of our um, TikTok family. So it's amazing how many people have connected with us on TikTok, and we had no idea when we made this account that so so many folks would would enjoy it. And so I just thanks to each and every one of the people who follow us and uh, and comment and participate that way because it's it's a blast.
3: Yeah, it's really it's really fun getting uh, comments that we inspired people to go hiking and and dehydrate food. It's yeah, it's a lot of fun. So. Yep. And so, also shout out to um, our moms who have both mailed food for us on our previous hikes and hopefully will mail food to us again on this upcoming hike. <laughs> we'll see.
2: And looking at the seven-day rolling average of your TikTok followers, uh, when do you expect to hit two million? What's what's uh, been the, the rate?
0: It's been doing pretty well lately. Um I don't, I don't know. know. You never know. It comes in spurts. So maybe maybe a week, maybe a month.
2: Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you've been busy setting the FKT on the CDT. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.